Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is a name that many of you may know. Her Olympic career in the sport of diving spanned from 1991 to 2012. She was a four-time Olympian, a dual Olympic medalist, three times world championship silver medalist, and a triple Commonwealth Games champion. Yep, nothing but the best for you listeners today. She also has qualifications as a personal trainer and a nutrition and wellness coach, which is why I've got her on the show today. Oh, and there's somewhere in all of that, she also managed to pop out two beautiful children. So we'll be talking about that too. She now focuses her attention on helping women of all shapes and sizes, that's busy women like you and me, to reach their health and fitness goals. Now, here's the thing. After opening her doors, she started to notice something interesting happening. Once her clients started seeing her on a regular basis, other aspects of their life started to fall into place. So like all smart entrepreneurs, she created an online program so that she could reach even more women and help them achieve their goals. Now, would you believe I first connected with this person on, wait for it, Instagram of all places. You've got to love social media. So I'm super excited to chat with her in real life today. Well, as real life as Skype can get. So I'm sure that I'm going to be loving a lot of the stuff that she says. Please welcome to the show, the wonderful Ludie Wiggins. Hi, Hi Ludy. <laughs> that was a lovely intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I do my best. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, hun, because like I feel like we've been stalking each other on Instagram for a while now. So it's it's really lovely to be able to have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. I started that Instagram account when um, my son 
was just about to be born. So that was three years ago. And I think you were one of the first people that I followed. So it's been a really um, long relationship. And I, yeah, definitely <laughs> a lot of the things that we both post about, um, there's a lot of similarities. So thank you so much for having me. Wow. I can't believe it's been three years. That's, that's crazy. That's amazing. So what I want to do today, Ludie, is pick your brain uh, specifically about weight loss and getting back into fitness because I know you work with a lot of women who've popped out a couple of kids and kind of lost their mojo. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Like I know it's quite a shift from training as an elite athlete to then helping women achieve their goals. So how did you end up going down that path? Well, it is, yeah, so once people find out that I'm an Olympian and I used to uh, be an elite athlete, the first thing that they think is that it's quite daunting to train with someone that used to, you know, work out uh, 30 hours a week. But I think um, throughout my entire career, it was always about training smart because I had such longevity, it's impossible to train like I did when I was a 15-year-old to when... I did when I competed at my fourth Olympic Games when I had my daughter and was a 32-year-old. So in between that, I understood what it meant to, um, you know, be kind to your body and get the most out of the time that you actually do have because, it, as I said, it's really, really different from when you're 16 years old to when you're suddenly a mum and um you've got all these other demands of work as well as, you know, running a household and also taking care of an actual other human being. So when clients come to me uh, and train, they do expect kind of like a boot camp type trainer, but I'm not one of those at all. I would say I get the best results when people are going at about, you know, 60 to 70% and just being really consistent with their training efforts Um, So that's my main focus and I've had clients with me for nearly four years now So and, and, you know, only training twice a week but fitter than ever and and some of the people that I do train also come from elite backgrounds like dancing. So they they know what hard work is but I try to educate people uh, to actually listen to their bodies and also that you don't need to go at 100% all the time to get the results that most women, you know, of my age um, would like to get, which is generally better health, um, more wellness, you know, some, some nice tone and um, potentially, you know, 5 to 10 kilos weight loss. Um, so I think I may have veered away from your question, but I, <laughs> I will, <laughs> which I think was about getting back into fitness after having children. Um, it's two completely different things to, you know, train just for health and wellness. But when, after you've had a baby, it's really, really important to take it nice and slowly and listen to your body and also not compare yourself to anyone else and and the way that they are bouncing back because two people will have completely different births and there's a lot of hormonal changes that are going through that, um, you know, if someone comes to me after a baby, I have to assess all of that. Um, But the very, very first thing that someone has to do after having a baby, if they want to get back into a fitness routine, is to get medical clearance. Yeah. Oh, it's so important. So important. Especially if you've had a cesarean or anything like that, then it, you know, depending on how the birth went and everything, it, it, that can change how you bounce back as well, can't it? 
Yeah, most definitely. And I had two C-sections. The first one I found I was going with what the midwives told me to do um, and just I felt really out of control with my body. I kind of, when you have a C-section, you're pretty much laying in bed for the first 48 hours. You can't get up, you can't move. Um, But with my second one, I found that I was dictating a little bit more because I knew how my body would recover better. So first things first, like if you if you do go through a C-section, when you feel ready to get up, get the nurses to help you and, and just that initial blood flow around your body and to your wounds will actually help the recovery. So just getting moving and um, as much as possible and also taking your medication and things like that really, really <laughs> helps. If you've had a natural birth, it's much easier, I guess, depending on you know how complicated it was, whether there's stitches involved and things like that, um, to kind of get moving. But I think that, you know, that initial movement of getting up, having a shower, getting your body moving, taking it nice and easy and drinking plenty of water um, will get anyone kind of feeling back to normality again. Yeah. And I just wanted to throw into the conversation that you were competing at the Olympics when your daughter was how old? 22 months? (laughs) She was 22 months. And my my story is a bit of um, that that was probably when – I got introduced to what health and fitness can actually do for your mind. So I had my daughter, I had an emergency C-section after 12 hours of labour where the obstetrician said, well, this is actually going to work. I personally wanted a C-section. He wanted me to try for a natural birth. My husband's six foot two and I'm four foot ten and I always knew that that wasn't going to (laughs) work. But... (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so it, it was a really um, kind of difficult birth story and Layla wasn't a particularly easy, settled child. So I was very, very fatigued, you know, got up every two hours for um, probably the first six months of her life. And it wasn't until I started exercising that I kind of got out of my deep, dark mental state because it was a pretty dark time having my child and adjusting. And then once I started exercising, I feel like I, I felt like I could take on the world again and that's actually when I made a comeback to diving at when she was seven months old and I did it. Um, I convinced my husband that I would just try and go back for Masters and I uh, said, you know, it might be good for my, my body and my health and my body just uh, knew what to do straight away when I got back in the water and, yeah, I competed. I think I made the Olympics um, about 11 months later and then competed. So, yeah, it was Health and fitness served a purpose to get me back uh, with my sense of identity. I probably took it one step too far <laughs> and went back <laughs> to the Olympic Games. And um, But, yeah, it's, it is amazing how quickly the body can recover if you do the right things and take it nice and slowly. Uh, in hindsight, I would have liked to have probably explored health and fitness after I had my baby a little bit earlier. I usually say to people, um, I, I run a mums and bubs class uh, and I, I won't let anyone come prior to six weeks if they've had a natural birth. After a Caesar, obviously, it's important to wait the eight weeks. But in the meantime, um, walking is always a really excellent way to, I guess, increase your fitness levels as well as getting out into the fresh air and that does so much for your mindset as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like that you're a type A person because we love type A people on this show because so many listeners out there are burned out because they've been pushing, pushing, pushing and they don't know how to stop. So don't worry, you're in good company here. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't really like idle time to tell you the truth. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I, I have found the importance of actually taking some time out and disconnecting. I find it difficult, but I try to do it. Yeah, yeah. So the mindset that you cultivated as an Olympian is obviously going to give you mind, you know, the mindset and life skills, you know, for the rest of your life. So how do you use this this skill set now to help everyday women? What lessons did you learn in those days that you carry with you now? I guess when you've got one goal and one focus and you're only um, focusing on yourself, it is quite easy to be driven and and go for the goals. But it's the times um, as an Olympian, I guess there's a it's a long time between drinks, and that's what I try to tell people. You know, when they start on a health and fitness program, you're going to be really really motivated at the beginning. But as the weeks go on, if it is, if you have more than 10 kilos to lose, it might be a really long process. So it's about staying motivated in between that. And I really help people to um, have action plans that involve every single day um, and daily mindset exercises that I will throw out um, that include things like, you know, being really grateful for where you are now and the end journey won't necessarily make you a happier person. And I found that very much in diving. Um, I lasted for 22 years and I wouldn't have done that if I'd got stuck in the day-to-day rut. Um, It was about being able to look past the I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling unmotivated um, and just going through the actions and consistency really does count, especially when you're an elite athlete, as well as in any health and fitness um, program that something is better than nothing. Even if you've only got time to do 10 minutes, it's always better uh, than nothing. And when I was an elite athlete, it would be the same. If I was injured, I would always be the type of person to rock up to the pool. I would immerse myself um, mentally in diving and watch as many diving videos as possible. So I was still in the right mindset. And the mind is so powerful in um, achieving your goals. And sometimes people convince themselves um, that they're defeated even before, you know, the action actually happens. So just I think that's what I'm able to pass on is that if I have a goal now, I will take the actions to uh, implement on a daily basis to reach the end goal um, and I help clients do that. I, I sit them down and we write it out and we go through, um, yeah, just really, really small steps and, and just be realistic about things as well. Yeah, that consistent action is is the bit where sometimes the wheels fall off, hey, because um, the, like you said, at the start of any sort of program, you're it's like a honeymoon phase and it's all exciting and you drop a few kilos pretty quickly, but then the middle stage, you're just kind of grinding it out. Yeah, most definitely. And that's why New Year's is kind of, yeah, it's great to have all big New Year's resolutions, but unless you're really realistic and kind of put things into action and you're in it for the long haul, um, yeah, there's really kind of no point in going gung-ho for one day, one or two days. Yeah. This whole New Year's thing has been doing my head in anyway because I realised that so many of my clients and so many of my listeners are mums, which means 
New Year's resolution time falls in the middle of school holidays. Like why would anyone yeah. try and make radical changes during that period? I do not know. So for me, I, I reckon February 1st should be declared the new New Year's Day for mums. And- I completely agree, <laughs> completely. It is school holidays. I tell you what, I love my daughter, um, but <laughs> I'm, t- I'm taking her to work at the moment and she's, finding it really difficult to um, understand that I need to pay attention to other people. And whilst <laughs> I love, love, love spending time with her, it is really hard to get my own thoughts just even organised um, for what I need to do for work. So kudos to all the mums out there that are listening that um, are in the same boat. It is um, a trying t- time and let's bring on February the 1st. Yeah. And seriously, don't don't try and, you know, make radical changes before February the 1st because really, like, just wait a few more weeks. You don't have to go with the hype when everyone else is like, yeah, January 1st, oh, my God, you know, new year, new me, blah, 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 blah. no, 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 no. Do it when you're ready. Like, what, what's the best window of opportunity for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I just um, – I have opened my doors at the moment for mums to bring their children it has worked well and it goes back to the consistency thing though. Um, the workouts that they're doing aren't as targeted as what we would do normally when they're alone, but they're better than nothing. So if you can get through January just doing what you can when you can, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Now, talk to me a little bit more about weight loss is weight loss at you know in women of this sort of age and situation is weight loss simply an equation of like food and exercise you know like the old energy in versus energy out what other factors might be in play is it that simple or do you think there's more stuff going on look i don't believe so i don't think all calories are created equally and there's a lot of um I don't think there's been enough research done into what type of foods make our bodies process better. I do highly believe that it is um, 70% diet and 30% exercise, that people should utilise exercise as a way for them to clear their minds, um, get perspective, feel good about themselves, and actually actual weight loss is a lot to do with nutrition. Um, you can potentially do it all with nutrition, in my opinion, um, but I don't think you'd have uh, the same mental outlook on life. Exercise actually makes you feel good about yourself. Um, in terms of as kind of we get older, I have a lot of clients that come to me now and say it was. It used to be really, really easy for me to lose weight in my 20s. It's <laughs> yes. Not, it's, yeah. It's not so easy now, especially after, after having a baby, but that's a whole different kind of um ball game because when after you have a baby obviously you've got the hormones to deal with and you have to be really really careful that you don't lose weight too quickly um one because of milk production uh and two because your body is still recovering from a major event but if the baby thing isn't um isn't a factor in it then it's about uh you know just adjusting your diet oh look I've, I've got certain things that I prescribe to my clients but I wouldn't do that um, as a blanket without kind of um, assessing people first so um, what do you what do you think what are your thoughts on that Jules? Uh, I, I seriously worry about people who try and lose weight too quickly too soon after having a baby because 
I think that sends that really primitive message back to the body that you're in starvation mode. Yeah. And yeah. The, the body will immediately take steps to protect not just yourself but the child. Yeah. So like you said, with the milk production, that's one thing that can happen. But I see a lot of issues with cortisol levels because the body will start to ramp up its stress hormones because it'll go into fight or flight because yeah, absolutely. It, it thinks that there might be a famine happening. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's why it's also as, you know, we get older and we are having babies, why it's dif difficult for some women to lose weight because they have done that yo-yo effect so many times that your body thinks it's going into starvation mode again. Yeah. Um, so that's why I don't ever ask someone to count calories because if you're going to put your body into deficit, I think for every um, every amount of deficit you put, there's going to be an equal backlash in the end. And it's, it's I don't think it's necessary for weight loss as such. I think a slow progressive weight loss uh is more important than doing it really quickly. So slow and steady always wins the race. Yeah. And focusing on really nutrient dense foods and perhaps eliminating, I'm not opposed to eliminating um, certain foods as long as you're getting the nutrients from other foods and also incorporating long, slow fat burns with your high kind of intensity type of training. I think after a baby, it's not important to do high intensity training, but long walks are really, really good for slow fat burns. Yeah. Long walks with prams. Easy. Yeah, right? yeah up, up a hill. <laughs> up a hill. I like how yeah. she adds in the hill. Yeah, all right. Forgot who I was talking to for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is about um, popping out babies is you're going to be sleep deprived unless you're one of that 1% lucky, lucky people. But if you're sleep deprived, then that switches on your stress hormones. Yeah. And That's then definitely. that that creates the perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're stressed, um, yeah, the weight will never, ever go as well. So it's it's about that do what you can when you can, but don't be too hard on yourself. Slow and steady definitely, definitely wins the race. I've had one of each. So I, my daughter, she's six years old now, she still sleeps on a mattress next to my bed. My son has slept through from about eight weeks old. So I'll just go back to um, what type of baby you kind of get. People always told me with Layla that it was um, something that I was doing wrong. And what? Are yeah, you serious? So, yeah, absolutely, because I was, you know, somewhat postnatal and um, I had that anxiety that they said that she wasn't sleeping because of what um, I did. But even, you know, we sleep trained her and all that kind of stuff. And But with Alexander, it was just – I think it's just luck of the draw. Um, but you have to have things to – I guess offset that. The thing that I did wrong with Layla is not take help when um, it was offered to me, and that would—that's what I would suggest to anyone that if it's offered to you, go for a really long walk by yourself because just getting out into the fresh air, even if you are fatigued, might help your mindset. Yeah. Um, and sleep when you can as well. Daytime sleeps are great for if you've only got one child, or if you can just even just have a ten-minute lay down. As you talk about cortisol, it can just just that 10 minute later would just let your body relax. Um, and again, really important not to go into it too quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I look, it, it really worries me when people just smash themselves with exercise, kids or no kids, really. 
Yeah, and as I said before, I don't think there's any particular need to do it, to, to go like 100%, unless your goals are based around high performance, which is athletic, or you're doing a competition. If your goals are simply for health and wellness, um, perhaps a little bit of weight loss, and even muscle toning and changing body composition, 60 to 70% is, is fine and it won't create that, that stress response. Yeah, I love that. Now, let's talk about the food because I read on your blog that you eat gluten-free, which means I'm very happy because yeah. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Can I ask why you gave up gluten and, and how that change made you feel? Well, when I was diving, believe it or not, I always struggled with my weight and we're not talking about a massive amount of weight, but I think training 30 hours a day um, – I had a huge stress response. My body was just in constant stress and I used to dive off a 60-kilometre, uh, a three-storey building and you travel at 60 kilometres an hour. So if you're two, two to three kilos heavy, um, the impact when you hit the water is massive and you, I was just constantly getting torn triceps and injured and uh, especially when I went through puberty, I just kind of jumped weight and I always suffered from um, eczema. So I'm itching as we speak. Um, so I kind of, uh, people always told me I was allergic to eggs and things like that. Um, but didn't really eliminate anything from my diet. When I got to about 18, I first went on Atkins, which was really, really popular. I did that too back in the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) But that's, that's what really made me go, oh, wow, my skin's amazing. My skin like from birth to about 16, it was chronic eczema. Um, and then when I went on Atkins, my skin cleared up and I found a really good, uh, I guess, blueprint maintainable weight without the yo-yo effect of, you know, starvation and um, kind of binging and all that kind of stuff. So once I started to introduce back into my diet some form of um, complex carbohydrates like rice, my eczema didn't come back. So I've always um, avoided it. Do I tell my clients to avoid it? Um, I do initially, but I also say that, you know, you can include one serve of starch a day. And if that happens to be a gluten form, then that's okay. And I still find that they get really good results. So my focus isn't so much with my clients on gluten. Um, it's more on, you know, having low starch kind of foods, which is based on autoimmune kind of stuff. But personally, I would, um, I, I avoid it at all possible cost because it's just not worth my while. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, also, I believe you've got some challenges with your son with some food allergies. Um, yeah. he's, he's had anaphylactic reactions to a few things. Can you tell me how that's affected the way that you cook and how your family eats at home? Yeah, so when um, I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with Alexander, believe it or not, um, I was under an immense amount of stress. I was filming a television show you might have remembered. It was called Celebrity Splash. Um, didn't la- <laughs> <laughs> it didn't last on the airways very long. But, um, you know, we were working 12 hours a day and I was working in another job and we'd go from um, – I would go from not eating in the morning – to only having dinner because that was the schedule and I honestly believe that kind of stress um, was why 
um, I develop gestational diabetes. There's, I mean, there's so many other factors so that you don't know. Uh, and when Alexander was born, the first thing that went into his mouth was formula because he was um, born with low blood sugar. So they immediately had to give him formula. Then I started to notice um, when I was breastfeeding, he had a lot of mucus coming up um, and I, I was expressing pretty much full time because I went back to work at six weeks and around uh, around the four month mark in the morning, I hadn't expressed um, enough milk and I gave him a 30 mil top up of formula and he went into anaphylaxis, stopped breathing and just swelled up. So it was only 30 mils. Oh my but God. Because because he'd had that initial um, exposure to it, the second time he had it, because you always need the initial exposure for them to develop an immune response to whatever they're allergic to. So the second time he had it, yeah, it was it was pretty horrendous because it was it was honestly I thought this is it, like he's gone because we waited 22 minutes for an ambulance. Oh, wow. And yeah, his you know ears were swollen and his throat had clammed over and his tongue was um, swollen. Luckily. Uh, you know, everything is obviously fine now. Um, it took about four adrenaline injections in the ambulance and we obviously avoid dairy. Um, my daughter is also very, very good at knowing what Alexander can and can't eat. And allergies are a really funny kind of puzzle because, you know, they talk about gut health a lot within, uh, you know, a pregnant woman. And because I had a Caesar, he obviously didn't go through the birth canal and didn't get my good stuff. I breastfed. Um, so there's there's no reason they can't tell me why he's allergic. These are all just assumptions that I can make and, and bring all the pieces of the puzzle together. But in terms of uh, what we avoid at home, we don't live in a dairy-free environment. My daughter still drinks milk. I have milk in my coffee. Um, I don't do a lot of dairy. We have a lot of alternatives uh, like coconut milk. He drinks um, a special hydrolyzed formula, which means that the cow's milk protein is taken out. And I just have to say that a cow's milk allergy is completely different to being lactose intolerant. Yes. Um, yeah. So, pe- so people go, well, can he have, um, you know, lactose free? I'm like, well, no, because he'll still kind of go into anaphylaxis. But there's so many um, good options on the market. Like even we made pizza the other day and we used vegan bio cheese. And to tell you the truth, I feel better without a lot of dairy anyway. And as long as it's being substituted with something else and you're getting the good nutrients, um, your calcium and everything um, from something else, then I think it's okay. And that's why a lot of we're, – we're meat eaters. We do eat um, meat, but my veg, my recipes are either vegan or <laughs> with a slab of meat next to it. Yeah. yeah. I do the same thing here. Yeah. I, I'm always looking for vegan recipes online and then I just add a piece of fish yeah. or a bit of chicken or something. Yeah, yeah it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is. I guess it's – um, yeah, so it's not so difficult for us because he's not touch allergic to it. I know that if he's got a peanut allergy or something like that, then um, just having it in the house would send him off. But we don't avoid it. We just teach him what he can and can't eat. It's just most scary when we're at parties and things like that. And, yeah, I do adjust most of my recipes. And I have a lot of clients that are also lactose intolerant. They don't feel that great when they have dairy. So um, I like to have a lot of my recipes suitable for them as well. So what are some of your favourite go-to meals that that are family-friendly? Because I know you've got some pretty cool recipes on your website. 
Yeah, I do. Look, I focus on a slow cooker a lot. If you don't have a slow cooker and you're a mother, um, you need to get one ASAP. It has seriously <laughs> saved. It has saved my life. So sometimes I'll put dinner on at eight o'clock in the morning. And because I work at night time, it'll be ready by the afternoon. And it's also allows you to, um, you know, kind of freeze stuff, meal prep. You make double the amount. So I've got a really good one at the moment that I – so in my um, online program, I add like about four recipes a month. And I just did a really good lime coconut chicken, which oh, nice. was the easiest thing that I have ever done. It was pretty much consisted of – um, limes, coconut milk, chicken thighs. I like chicken thighs better than chicken breast because I like it a bit, um, a bit fatty. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like just coriander and chili, and it cooked for four hours, and it was it was incredible. It tasted like a beautiful curry. Yeah, uh, Joe Whitten yeah. does a chicken and lemon similar thing, sort of chicken yeah. coconut lemon soup, which is just phenomenal. Like it just goes so well in the in the slow cooker. Yeah. What else? What else do you feed your kids? So in the morning, um, they they do eat wheat. I don't avoid it because I don't believe they have an intolerance to it. We do try to go towards more the plant-based stuff as well for snacks and things like that because often if you look at kids' diets, it's just all carbs. They don't get enough protein or anything like that. So maybe for a snack um, in the in the mid-morning, it would be they love cucumbers, tomatoes. I'd give them a bit of bio cheese, maybe a bit of um, hummus, um, Layla does like tzatziki dip and things like that. So I'm lucky that um, my kids aren't very fussy eaters. Like they'll think, eat things like olives and Layla's not a, afraid of a bit of spice. But I also think that's because I've kind of introduced um, it to them very, very early. I also make um, some zucchini and carrot fritters for Layla that she requests on pretty much a weekly basis and I'm like if you want if you want zucchini darling I'll give you zucchini so yeah that's just made looks like an omelet type thing and um we are you know meat and three veg type family but I like to uh we love our food so we are big food eaters and food lovers in fact yeah, I, I love that, that she's asking for zucchini. It's one of my favorite yeah. things that I see with, with my clients, whether they're my one-on-one clients or, or people in my program, that when they first come back and say, oh, my God, my, my little child came to me and asked for, and then they'll rattle off something that's got veggies in it and they'll be like, that's the first time they've ever come and asked for something like that. And it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's just them being exposed to it as well. Went through a little while where you're cooking two different meals, but then I just went, you know what, they're not starving. So I'll offer them our food and see how they go with it. And then if they're not hungry, they can eat in the morning. Um, and that's worked really well um, because Layla was a really bad sleeper. I used to just whatever she wanted, I used to give it to her. But after a while, we kind of cut that off because it's just too difficult. It really is. And eventually they just adjust. They really do. Um, they probably eat a little bit too much sugar. That's their downfall. But we, we make it make up for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love it. This is sensible, real world approach. Love it. Now, Here on the show, we also talk a lot about self-care and taking time out for yourself. So what do you do to reset and recharge and and what do you tell your clients to do? For me, if I find um, 30 minutes a day just to either be by myself, whether that's after the kids go to bed, 
Um, or I actually get up early in the morning just to have some quiet time. And I find that that really resets me for the day. So if I, if I don't have that quiet time in the morning, I'm a bit anxious, uh, a bit rushed. So that's really, really important. For my clients that um, are really struggling, I guess, with being overwhelmed with so much, I, I tell them to do the same and make mornings your time and go through some, you know, mindset exercises. And it, for me, if I've got a spare 15 minutes uh, at the gym, I'll pop down, I'll get a quick neck and head massage. And so that's my that's my indulgence. I try not to do it too much because obviously it gets a little bit expensive. Um, but in terms of free things, I a, a, lot, a lot of the time people want to reward themselves with food, but I think things like having a bath, reading a really good book, going to a movie by yourself, um, they're great ways for self-care. Yeah, I love that because if you reward yourself with food, it's quite often food that isn't the greatest anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah it's, it's funny what how we view food as, you know, treats and rewards and then the treat food is the food that's like the worst for your body and it's like, yeah, it's like it's a treat for your mind but it's not a treat for you from the neck down, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it is okay sometimes to indulge but I don't think it should be a reward for anything. If you do feel like um, a magnum, go ahead and have a magnum but um, <laughs> as long as you're not da- dairy intolerant or have got an allergy <laughs> – um, but, you know, a, a piece of dark chocolate goes a long, long way. So that might just even fix that little sweet um, thing at night time. But, yeah, and it's, a lot of our indulgences come at night time, which is probably the worst time to have them if you are on a weight loss journey. Yeah, true. And I, I yeah. like I like that. It doesn't have to be a reward. Like you don't need to wait until you've done something good to give yourself the chocolate. Like if you want goddamn chocolate, go and eat goddamn yeah. chocolate. Like when you yeah. want to eat the chocolate, you're a grown-up. So then if you if you take away the context of the reward and you just go and eat the magnum or the chocolate when you want it, then yeah. that turns everything upside down too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, if there is a time that you feel like something, you don't actually have it, by the time you get around to having it, you're not just going to have one or two pieces, you're going to have the entire block. So <laughs> it just yeah happens so often that if you feel like a little bit of yoga at night time, you should probably listen to your body and and also really be mindful about why you're craving the things are you trying to reward yourself or are you um, truly needing the nutrients from what you've eaten during the day yeah it's true sometimes I see people who are craving chocolate and wine at about sort of nine o'clock at night and they've actually got a magnesium deficiency yeah right yeah stuff like that's pretty common now you've got a very cool free ebook on your website to help women get started with all of this sort of stuff. Hey, so yeah. could, could you tell us a little bit about that? So I talk about um, I wrote this ebook. It was probably about two years ago, um, just when I was starting my all my online stuff, and I just wanted to capture all my um, training methods in kind of one ebook. So it does have a lot of information in there. It talks about, I talk about goal setting a lot in it and I talk about um, being a high achiever, like your type A's that I think you were talking about. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that what a type A is? Plenty of them. There's plenty of them in my tribe. Hello, type A's. (laughs) (laughs) And also um, when you are a high achiever, you're not always going to reach success. So I talk about dealing with failure and not being scared of um, 
not achieving your goals in one particular instance. I also talk about a lot about what stress is doing to your body and why harder is not always better in terms of fitness, that you have to be really smart about how you train. I talk about the philosophy behind that and a little bit about when I was an athlete, like we touched on before, um, how I did struggle with weight. And it was until I, you know, had both my kids and started training a certain way and eating a certain way that all of a sudden I'm at a really maintainable, um, healthy weight that I wasn't when I was an athlete because I was too stressed when I was an athlete. Um, and I just to have a sample seven-day meal plan in there as well as uh, I think about 10 recipes and also some training videos that go along with it. So there's a lot of information. Don't let it overwhelm you. You can choose and pick the parts that you think will be best for you. But, yeah, it'd be great if you if you were interested. Um, head over to uh, ludiwiggins.com.au slash health and you can get your free ebook there. Awesome. And I'll pop a link in the show notes too so that people can just look in there. Now, you've got really cool recipes, lots of health tips, some really lovely, very um, sort of vulnerable, insightful blog posts, and they're all at ludiwiggins.com.au. Um, where else can people connect with you? Obviously, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very, very contactable, very contactable. So, yeah, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I've got a Facebook page, just Ludi Wiggins Fitness. I've got my mindbloodyblitz.com website, and I'm on Twitter, but yeah, if you want to email me, ludi at ludiwiggins.com.au and I do answer all emails personally. Yeah. And I will always continue to do so. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love you here at Shiny Healthy You. Ludi, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to hang out with us. It's really, oh, there's been so many amazing insights in this one. I can't wait to press that button and put this, this podcast episode out into the world. Thank you so much, Jules. Thank you for letting me rant and rave about um, what I believe in. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jules. I hope you enjoyed that frank and fearless chat with the legendary Ludi Wiggins. Now, since you've made it through to the end of this episode, stop what you're doing and subscribe right now. Then you'll automatically get an awesome installment of Shiny Healthy You every single week. Also, if you haven't been to my website yet, go and check it out. It's at julesgalloway.com and it's chock full of health info and yummy recipes along with a couple of free gifts just for you. One is a brand new healthy dessert ebook with really cool recipes in it and the other is a little guide to healing your adrenals which is perfect if you're tired, busy or run down. Please join me next week for another session from Shiny Healthy You HQ. Until then, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.